From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. When coal-fired power plants burn coal, what is left over is a toxic ash mixed with water that gets stored in ash ponds. They look pretty much like you'd imagine. Huge container pools of slurry and particulates. And environmentalists worry about their potential effects on the ecosystem and drinking water. Georgia Power is on track to quit adding to its ash ponds by sometime next year. How utilities should close their ash ponds is governed by the Federal Environmental Protection Agency. But the EPA now wants to hand that responsibility to states, raising questions about how Georgia Power will excavate its remaining dozens of ash ponds and whether the state rules on proper closure are strong enough. Well, the public has until tomorrow to weigh in on the change. GPB's Grant Blankenship has been following the story and is on the line with us from Macon. Hello, Grant. Good morning. So coal ash doesn't sound like something we'd want on our water table. What makes it so dangerous? So coal ash contains a lot of nasty stuff, things like arsenic, boron, lead, mercury, and even more obscure heavy metals like selenium, chromium, uh, nickel. And these chemicals can cause everything from cancer to neurological damage, respiratory illnesses, and in extreme cases, even organ failure. So the whole purpose of coal ash ponds by power plants is to safely store these chemicals far away from people. So can all the waste from ponds that are closing and all potential exposure be contained? I mean, it really depends on how you define contained. So Georgia Power coal ash ponds are not hermetically sealed. So here's how to think about it. Imagine you've got some leftovers. You've stuffed them in a Tupperware container. Georgia Power would like you to believe that that's what they're going to do when they put a big cap of dirt over existing ash ponds. But when the Southern Environmental Law Center and river keepers from the Altamaha, Chattahoochee, Coosa, and Flint river basins analyzed Georgia Power's own data, what they found was that coal ash in many cases is in direct contact with groundwater way down at the bottom of these ash ponds, sometimes 80, 90 feet deep. So that's like having a bunch of holes in your Tupperware, right? Like your casserole is just going to ooze, and that's the last thing you want. So where could the toxins in the coal ash be going? So in the case of Plant McDonough on the Chattahoochee River there in Atlanta, uh, toxins could be getting into the river just upstream of an intake for drinking water. So Georgia Power is monitoring both upstream and downstream of that plant for all these nasty toxins. In the case of Plant Shearer, closer to me, just north of Macon, the toxins are mixing in the same underground aquifer that nearby residents tap for their private wells. That's where they get their drinking water. That aquifer is also very close to the Okmulgee River, so odds are that the stuff's getting in the river as well. So your reporting found that for now, the way that these coal ash ponds are managed falls within EPA guidelines. What would change if the state of Georgia becomes responsible for coal ash ponds? So let's take Plant McDonough on the Chattahoochee as an example. Um, since coal ash toxins could be flowing into surface water there, the Clean Water Act, that's a federal law, that would come into play as things stand now. But if the state were regulating coal ash, Clean Water Act would be off the table. Hmm. And so as it stands now, any permits granted by the EPA, they have to be renewed every five years as well. So if a management plan isn't working out in five years, at least then you'd have a shot to make things right, to course correct. If Georgia does the permitting, a permit is granted for life. Uh, and then there's the fact that the Environmental Protection Division's Solid Waste Management Unit would oversee ash ponds here. So Chris Bowers is an attorney at the Southern Environmental Law Center. He spoke at an EPA hearing on the rules change and questioned whether people who oversee solid waste for Georgia have the personnel to take on this job. Where is the dedicated professional that's dealing with coal ash? Or is one person even enough? 
to police a gigantic utility who has a small army of consultants whose sole job, apparently, is to find ways to skirt their responsibilities. So he does not sound hopeful. So what else would have to happen uh, if the Solid Waste Management Department begins managing coal ash ponds owned by Georgia Power? Well, so you'd see a change in how the public can weigh in on the permitting process. Right now, there's public hearings, just like uh, Mr. Bowers was speaking at with the EPA for these permits. Uh, should Solid Waste run this, there would be no public hearings. Uh, when your local landfill makes a change to how it's run, there are public hearings. But that wouldn't happen with coal ash ponds. Um, and the landfill containing your household trash, right now it's more tightly monitored for leakage of the stuff that's in your landfill than Georgia coal ash ponds are now monitored. Grant Blankenship is on the line with us from our Macon Bureau. The EPA is taking public comment on handling of coal ash pond management until tomorrow. He's filling us in on the issues at stake here. Now, we do know how Georgia Power is handling coal ash ponds now and that the company is on track to close them down. How are utilities in other states handling their coal ash pond excavations? And other state legislatures are forcing utilities to dewater their ash ponds, like take all the liquid out, and move the material to dry storage facilities with liners that keep the coal ash out of the soil and the water. You see that in North Carolina with Duke Energy, for instance. Georgia Power is dewatering some of its coal ash ponds and has plans to move that ash to dry storage, but there are large ones that won't be treated that way. And so that's what has environmental advocates upset, is the idea that some of these big coal ash ponds Georgia Power thinks it's enough just to put a, an earthen cap on the top of them and leave the material in contact with groundwater. Well, Grant, you got a look at coal ash ponds from the sky from an airplane. So what did you learn about the, these containers from the bird's eye view? Well, so we flew over Plant Shearer here near Macon, and, and what you get is a real sense of just how much coal these things burn. There's a, there's a three or four acre field, oval field in front of the plant. It's surrounded by train tracks, and you see these little front end loaders that look like ants on top of an anthill, and they're responsible for literally pushing the coal in the front of the plant so it can be burned. On the other side, you see where the slurry comes out in this sort of muddy gray mix and flows into the ash pond. Um, the scale of it is really staggering when you see it from the air. Well, Georgia Power is trying to get the Public Service Commission to approve a more than $2 billion rate hike. The increase would be spread out over the next three years, starting early next year. And part of the cost of closing these coal ash ponds is part of its justification. So besides wanting ratepayers to help foot the bill, what does Georgia Power say about the change in regulatory bodies and the closure of the ponds? Well, I asked Georgia Power to talk to me uh, for stories uh, and reporting leading into this, and no one will go on the record for me um, or be recorded on this topic. But in written responses to my questions about the issue, Georgia Power says that Georgia's rules are more stringent than federal rules and that the utility is in full compliance. They also say they have something like 500 monitoring wells in place around ash ponds and that so far their sampling data has not turned up anything unsafe in terms of all those nasty toxins we talked about on the top. But without third-party monitoring of the ponds, an impartial body to look at that data, there's really no guarantee that that's true. So you did mention people have until tomorrow to weigh in on the potential shift in who regulates coal ash ponds. How can yeah. somebody listening to this now voice their views? So the EPA has a website where you can register your feelings about the coal ash changes. The site is bit.ly backslash coal ash GA. That's bit.ly backslash coal ash GA. 
Now, we know you have been following this issue for some time, and your plan is to put together a a feature more in-depth on the topic. What are you going to be watching as this debate over coal ash ponds continues to unfold? Well, I think there's a lot of story to tell about just what the health ramifications are of of these places. And that's something that I'm going to dig into later. Um, And there's also coal ash ponds that fall outside these new rules that were established by the EPA in 2015 that have been grandfathered into treatment. Um, And those are places that need to be watched out for, too. And that is GPB's Grant Blankenship from our Macon Bureau. He has been reporting on Georgia Power's plan to close its coal ash ponds by sometime next year. Oversight of that process could shift from the EPA to the state of Georgia. Grant, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can find more of Grant's reporting and our coverage of Georgia Power and GPB's series on environmental issues at gpbnews.org. And from burning coal to burning trees, wood chips used to create electricity are called biomass. Georgia's timber industry supports the fuel source and the extra business that it generates. But as GPB's Emily Jones reports, opponents worry that the fuel is not as green as the trees that make it. From several stories up at Exelon's Albany Green Energy Plant, you can see a massive pile of chipped up wood known as biomass. A long conveyor carries it up into the plant. And we've got this reclaimer screw here that pulls it in, feeds it back into the plant, into the boiler. The biomass burns to make electricity for Georgia Power. Around the corner from the wood pile, a long tube snakes off, carrying leftover steam to power a Procter & Gamble plant. From the top of Albany Green Energy, you can also see trees, just miles and miles of forest in every direction. But We're not just going out grabbing a tree and being able to use that tree. James Lucky is the plant manager. Most of our fuel is coming from treetops and uh, just uh, mill residuals that come from uh, uh, paper mills or something like that. They're burning the stuff that can't be made into lumber or paper products. Advocates in the timber industry say there's plenty of wood waste like that in Georgia that could be made into power. Johnny Bembry owns a tree farm in Pulaski County. He ends up with waste when he thins his trees to prevent fire and disease. Waste from the thinning is uh, it's going to have to be burned. It's either going to be burned in the woods and wasted and, 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 and release carbon in that manner, or it could be burned for energy creation. The Georgia Forestry Association, an industry group, is calling for more power plants around the state that burn biomass. They say it's a good use for leftover wood, cleaner than coal, and renewable because you can keep growing trees. They're talking about sustainability in terms of what we replant. Vicki Weeks is with the Dogwood Alliance, which opposes biomass power. And we're talking about we can't afford to, to lose 40 to 50 years in terms of CO2 uptake. Regulators consider biomass generation carbon neutral because new trees soak up carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. But Weeks points out a key hole in that calculation. It takes time for the trees to grow back. Researchers say it actually takes about 11 years for a new tree to replace one that was cut. Marilyn Brown at Georgia Tech studies biomass. Whether or not that's a problem depends on how threatened you think we are by climate change. I am personally feeling very threatened. We may not have 11 years to wait for trees to grow back, 
Last year, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change called for rapid and far-reaching changes to reduce carbon emissions by 2030 to get climate change under control. You can't grow a lot of trees between now and then if we rely on biomass plants to large scale over the next decade. But on a small scale, it might make sense. Ultimately, Brown calls biomass an intermediate energy source, not the cheapest or the cleanest, but viable as one piece of a system that has lots of energy sources. That's what the timber industry is calling for, small plants scattered around the state. Andres Villegas heads the Georgia Forestry Association. So we're talking about, um, you know, a few grains of sand on the beach really at the end of the day. The key will be finding a balance that gets the most out of Georgia's trees and still keeps the state's forests growing and soaking up carbon. For GPB News, I'm Emily Jones. Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on our Facebook group, GPB Radio's On Second Thought. What do you think of the closure of coal ash ponds in Georgia? What would you want to tell the EPA? Do you think Georgia should burn more trees to make electricity? Tell us what you think. In addition to Facebook, we're on Twitter at OST Talk. You can follow us on Instagram at GPB News or email us at onsecondthought at gpb.org. You can also leave us a message. We're at 404-500-9457. Coming up, explore teen dating violence and efforts to stop it through healthier relationships. I'm Virginia Prescott. Stay with us for that and more of On Second Thought. 